What a wonderful week it is. And I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, what day of the week is it? It is, it's Monday, isn't it? Gosh, I, I get confused. I'm one of these people who works my own schedule. Therefore, I really don't follow public holidays and, and weekends. Uh, it's a, both a blessing and a curse. But hello, welcome to Video For All. Um, if you're watching live, um, uh, jump in and put hashtag live in there and, and say hello. And if you're watching this uh, on the replay, use um, hashtag team replay and jump in and, and get part of the conversation. And if you've got questions, um, yeah, you know, whenever I can, I come in there and I'll try and answer them for you. So why am I here today? Well, you know, this is one of the wonderful things about online. I just, you know, there's so much opportunity and possibility. And, and one of those, and I know we're on Facebook now, but one of those is LinkedIn. And on LinkedIn, uh, I like being over there. And, uh, you know, you meet people and you just meet people in the comments. And then you have these relationships just sort of on and off with people in comments for, you know, months, sometimes years. And then because the power that has been gifted to us now in video and virtual, you can meet these people. And we're going to meet one of those right now. And that is Sharon Connolly. Hello, Sharon. Hey, Julian. Good to be here. Hello, everybody, particularly those who are watching us live and, of course, on the replay. But um, anybody who's, who's dialing in now, so good to have you here. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to talk to Sharon and get uh, you know Sharon to come into New Video Professionals and say hello and share her experience is that Sharon is a training professional and a change manager, uh, works for a large corporate, but Sharon has been using video consistently now for years. And so, you know, really Sharon's in the trenches with this. And I love speaking to people like Sharon because she's using it. She knows what works, what doesn't. She's put her own spin on it. And really, I wanted the opportunity to, to jump in here and, and have a chat now. So I, what I want to know, Sharon, straight up, is explain change management to me. Uh, how does training fit into that? And then how does video wedge into that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And change management, some people will say, oh, I've been a change manager for 20 years. But generally, it's, it's quite a new term. We're all familiar with a project manager, not a building site project manager, but a project manager that inside a corporate organization basically runs things. And a change manager, we work very closely with a project manager um, and we run it from the people side of things. So whether we're talking about upgrading to a new system, moving to a new building, whether it's a complete relocation, whether it's completely pivoting the way that you're working, working from home, um, change managers focus on the people side of things. Right. So we've got to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing, when they're doing it, most importantly, why they're doing it, what's in it from them, the changes that they have to make. So you can see that that may involve training and it may involve communications. Depending on the scale of the project, you might be a change manager and you might have a trainer that works for you, or you might do the training yourself. You might have a communications manager or a video editor, or you might have to do the whole lot yourself. So um, it's quite an encompassing role, but we're all about people. We're all about this is happening in the organization. Even if it's we're moving the coffee cups from this side of the office to the other, 
we got to tell them why and what they need to know about it and when they need to do stuff, hold their hands and make them feel really involved in the process. That's what we do as change managers. Right. So where does training fit into that and then video under that? So as part of that, and and I come to this role from training and speaking for many, many years and a a lot of it in the background um, on the IT side, I, uh, there will be people who were not born when I ran my first webinar in 1993. So I started working for WebEx, delivering webinars in 1993. And it was really cutting edge then. And and I think different, something that we can explore as the conversation unfolds is how different webinars are inside corporate than a lot of your audience who are doing it to sell and, and, and to coach. But in a global organization, even inside Australia, our audience is all over the country. When you're doing a rollout for something, I've worked for um, a number of the big four banks. When you're doing a rollout, even if it's something simple, like how they're going to use um, a system differently, how do we get to 35,000 bankers? How do we do that? Now, we may create videos that they need to watch, or we may do train the trainer. We might you know, train people in the branches or in their regions. And we'll do that via video or via webinar. Um, and the main thing, what I am using it for most at the moment is that inside organizations, we've got a lot of new technology that we are used to using, like your Facebook and your Instagram. Inside organizations, they'll have their own mini channels. So workplace, is a Facebook inside organizations. Uh, people might be uh, aware of Yammer, which is like a sort of, it's like a sort of inside Twitter. And inside organizations, they've now got a lot of, it's been around for a while, but they're really increasing their use of these internal streaming communications channels. And these are brilliant for videos. So this is a professionally produced videos where you want to get a quick message out, but there's also a lot of, here's me, out and about holding up my iPhone and just chatting. And it's very important that senior managers do that and they get to their staff and they're really showing their human side. So interviews, training, funnies, the human side of it, a lot of that is coming across in videos as well. What's been the resistance within large organisations? How, how has that journey been from those early days and, and with senior management now realising they have to show up on, on, on video? Um, what's, what's been that? Uh, has it been an easy journey? No, it's not an easy journey. And um, one of the, the problems that we've got and, uh, is that we now have multiple communications channels. So we've got things like your Facebook or your Yammer or your Teams, and then you've got your Teams communications. And and corporates inside the organization are, look, I haven't got time to go and look at all of these places. I don't have time to check this. I don't have time to check this. And we have a lot of people say, just, just send me an email. But then the next thing they'll say is, I've got too many emails to read. So we've got information overload, and we have to try to get them to self-serve the information entrepreneurs will know about doing pull information like like we're doing this interview is here watch it when it's convenient for you but watch it and inside an organization we need to say look there's information there 
watch it when you're on the train, watch it when you're in the bus, watch it when you're in the bath. It's important that you get these leadership messages. Um, and we're going to give it to you quite often in a number of different ways. So you could download a PDF, you could go to our SharePoint site, which is like our website, or you could watch the video, or you could get it from your team. And the thing is, is about having all roads leading to a single source of truth because the other thing that we've got to do is that we've got to make sure we've got huge amounts of information to maintain and to keep up to date and we've got to have all of these consistent messages going here's a little snippet now read it here go and get it here and and when you get it whether it's today or whether it's next week it has to be up to date and it has to be in one place so and um, when and people quite often say, how, how does a bank, how do they, can they not get my information right? When I change my address, how do I still get my post to an address that I left 10 years ago? The complexities in a huge organization around all of this data speaking to each other are huge. And video can really help us to cut through very quickly so that people watch 30 seconds instead of having to read and click and click and click. Yeah. So let's go back and talk about, you mentioned um, that evolution of webinars that you've experienced. Uh, mm -hmm. So what are the big differences you've, you've seen? Very interestingly, I think people would not expect me to say this, but actually very little. When I look at the way that a webinar that I delivered for Hewlett Packard in 1993, if I look at the functionality that I had then and the functionality that I have now, I had nearly all of that functionality then. I mean, I had a really, really rubbish dial-up, you know, thing. Uh, it was the the, the uh, internet speed wasn't the same, but the ability to share a screen, the ability to give somebody else the cursor, the ability to chat, and we didn't have breakout rooms. But a lot of the stuff that we have today has been around since the early '90s. We just didn't have a lot of adoption. We didn't have a lot of people using it. It wasn't commonplace. Even you know, when I came to Australia eight years ago, delivering training via webinar was quite new. Um, whereas now, of course, we all do it. But but the stuff that we can actually do, pretty much the same, which is which is amazing. What's the reluctance of the average staff member to? Um, you know, having been on webinars where webinars were traditionally you had no no vision, you were just a remote participant. Uh, now going in into Zoom and this whole idea that you have to be on on video, what's the change that you've seen? Um, I, I, the change that I haven't seen <laughs> is the most worrying, and that's that people just take a PowerPoint and they present it online, and that's and, and they just assume that training and webinars are it's the same as delivering classroom training and it's not you know it's it's all about it's about people and people who are not putting their cameras on and they're not looking at you and they're not interacting and they're not having conversations and they are putting a slide up and they're just reading that slide and they're doing they're just moving bad training out of the classroom onto a screen. And there are fundamental differences between videos and webinars and e-learning and things that have to be done differently. But everybody's just going, let's just take a PowerPoint, just, just read it online. And, and people get bored. And unlike the, the thing that they can do in a regular classroom is that when I'm online, well, I, like I've got another window open here and I'm shopping, there's shoes mm -hmm. and there's books and there's things and I'm chatting and I've got my phone down here. 
and you guys can't see it. So we've got this captive audience that we're, f we're failing to captivate. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think what is happening a lot too is we just mimic what we have been conditioned to do for literally decades, actually since we came out of the womb, which is to sit there and passively watch television. You know, we just we see a screen, we see something on it, uh, and it's a very passive uh, engagement. And now, and I just look at my wife doing it. I mean, she watches TV and she's got like, she's got two devices open doing different things on it. And it's a very hard habit uh, to get people to break because they are conditioned by this little rectangle that they see and somehow it triggers this response. But the interesting thing there is instead of what we can do is we learn from that. And when, I, when I'm helping people to make videos or I'm helping them to do webinars, one of the things that I say to them is, think about what you're doing. You're talking about your wife there. She's doing this, she's just chatting to her friends, she's got a glass of wine, she's, da, 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 da. she's this. Yeah, she's watching telly and there are adverts on there and they've got her like that. And what I say to people is actually pay attention to what is grabbing our attention. So I teach, um, anybody who follows me on LinkedIn will know that I do amazing PowerPoints and attention grabbing visuals. Look at what grabs your attention. And people say to me, oh, Sharon, you're so creative. And I'll put my hand up and I'll say, um, actually, full confession here, I just look at what other people do really well and I learn from it. So look at when you're driving or if you're in an Uber, look at the van that's in front of you. Why did their advert capture your attention? We have TV ads that get us to buy stuff in 10 seconds. Look at how and you do the uh, what do you do 30 seconds or your, your little videos my little what videos are eight seconds and i'm just experimenting with those just to see what i can do with them but you can do amazing stuff yeah. in eight seconds and you can do amazing videos in 15 seconds or in the corporate one you can do it in 30 seconds but what you have to do is i say to them watch tv so when you're trying to get an emotion across to somebody, what you can do, I've seen you do this in your eight second ones, is that you flash at um, people for like a, a third of a second, five happy people. And they know they've got that, oh, this is happiness or you, you uh, a struggle, a journey, whatever. Um, watch the TV, like my favorite one, and people go, oh yeah, yeah, I know that one. You know that toy ad Toyota advert where they say, oh, what a feeling. Yeah and they've got about 15 different images and then the person at the end jumps up. That's what we're doing. Look at your adverts, look at, look at how the text comes in, look at how it bumps over, look at the newsreader, look at how long the newsreader is on the screen for before the images come in, look at how they switch from one reporter to another and learn, learn from what you see because as your wife is on two devices drinking a glass of wine, she's still taking in the news and the adverts and everything because they're getting it right. And what we have to do is we, we do not have to reinvent the wheel. We learn from people who know loads more about it than, than we do. And she's also uh, taking that information in because she's female and she can do that and I can't because I am just one of these classic males who can't do that. And I want to get on in a moment. I want to talk about women and technology 
in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, just to follow up on, on your saying, uh, what you're saying is that with my audience, I'm always encouraging people to videofy your message. And it's exactly what you're saying, because when you go online, your competitors are now YouTube, TikTok and TED. As, as examples. And these people have decades, if not half a century, of uh, uh, they're half a century ahead of you. And they're just using the techniques of filmmaking, which are freely, freely available to anyone. But just like you were saying, all it takes, all it takes is to just objectively look at what you're watching and success leaves clues. And you'll go, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. They do that the same way. What can I learn from that? So the information, in a sense, is all free. Sometimes it just takes someone to point it out to you um, and you can get going. Open a magazine, open a newsletter, a newspaper. If you have got no idea about design, then open your Sunday supplement, sit down with a cup of coffee, open the Sunday supplement, go through and think, They've done that ad really nice. I really like the way that they have enticed me to read this. Look at the fonts that they've used. Look at the colors they've used. And one of the challenges that we have in corporate that a lot of your viewers wouldn't have is that in corporate, we are often up against our internal brand. So we would like to do something differently, Mm -hmm. but we have to stick to the brand. So it's a bit different, difficult to be creative, but we can still be inspired by the use of different mediums, how, how we can be, how we can bring that inside our organization. And um, I made a little video for somebody yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, and she thought that she had to get it right. She said, oh, I did it. She said, I must have done it 25 times. Mm-hmm. And I'd asked her for 30 seconds. She said, I must have done it 25 times. I said, you only needed to do it once because I can edit it. I can edit it if you give me five minutes and I want 30 seconds. I can just take those those 30, you know, I can take them out of that and they don't have to get it right. And I think that they think that they do have to get it right. Yeah, I very much so that, you know, the curse of perfectionism, we're products of a binary education system which has taught us that there's a right answer and a wrong answer. And if we don't get it right, we're going to go to the back of the queue and be reprocessed. And when it comes to presenting, what's our, our generally our first collective experience of presenting? Was it school, doing some oral test when we were in primary school? And we were marked about it. And so we think that there's a certain way, which is, uh, of course, now, I mean, you know, times have changed and uh, it is uh, way easier easier just to be authentic and, and be yourself. There's always limitations uh, around that. But this is curious. I want to ask you about this, about women in technology, because probably seven out of 10 of my uh, uh, mentoring clients consistently are female. And mm-hmm. they're middle-aged. What, whatever that means, they're in that middle of, of their, yes. their life experience. Journey. They're experienced, they're, they're, experience. they're yeah. matured, they're whatever, but, you know, they're, 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 they're in that range, which um, essentially a lot of, you know, like, I mean, you would think that they are the people who would uh, not want to be on, on video, and a lot of them don't. I have to help them over that yeah. journey. Um, so you run a women's networking uh, uh, group around women in technology. What's, what's your experience with, with women using technology? 
oh they're not good at it at all and i think the reason that you have got this cohort of people is because these are people who've got a message yeah. whether it be coaching whether it be coaching training whether they're trying to get us fit whether they're trying to get us in touch with us whatever it is these are people who've got a message that they need to give the world and they realize that they have to do it via video um they have not got a clue they do not of course, not all of them. There are some brilliant women in technology, but for the most part, I am helping them with the absolute basics on PowerPoint and on Excel and, and, and all of the basics. And these are often really senior women as well. And sometimes what's happened through their journey to seniority, they've had people to do this stuff for them. So they don't need to know how to use an Excel spreadsheet because they used to have a BA or somebody in, in a, as a business analyst, somebody do that for them. They didn't need to know how to do the PowerPoints because they used to have an, uh, a secretary or a PA or an EA that did that for them. And a lot of the time now, because the way that roles work, they've changed so that even if you are a very senior person in business, you've got to do a lot of this stuff yourself. Um, or if you've gone to work for yourself until you can outsource it, then you're doing it yourself and outsourcing for me i found it so difficult and so disappointing anyway that i end up doing it myself because it takes me twice as long to outsource it so um yeah but i think the main reason that you have most of that audience in your audience is because these are people who want to communicate their message yeah and that and, and so that just keys in in beautifully because when I teach people, my, my, my whole process is that the technology, like there's a little bit of technology at the start just to, to get up and going. But then really we work on, on message because if, you're, if you don't feel like in here, in your bones, that you know and believe, that you believe your message when it gets to here, right, and gets to here, it sticks like a little bit of vomit, you know, like, and, and yeah you can't get it out it's just because you don't believe in it and so you have to work on getting clarity uh in in your message and once you've got that then your pre presentation skills just dramatically go up i i think you're missing something that also so many women have in there is that they've got clarity of their message and the, the technology becomes a limiting belief but so many of them have imposter syndrome yeah. And with imposter syndrome, what I'm saying is, and, and I'll share this with you, and people who don't know me on LinkedIn may not know my, my journey, but I accidentally started running training courses at the beginning of COVID because um, I was doing some stuff on LinkedIn and people said, hey, how do you do that? And I said, well, I'm self-taught. And then they said, well, would you help us? Like, well, nobody's going to want to know. I ended up putting a course up. I ended up putting a website up. And I did some live courses. And of course, these were these were recorded for people to go back and watch. And I nearly did not put them online because I wanted them to be perfect. I thought, I'm not going to sell that course just as the webinar as is, because I want it to be perfect. I, you know, I don't want to be scratching my face and drinking my water. And I want to have, don't want a cat walking across my keyboard. I want it to be perfect. I had perfection paralysis. Um, and I now have 12 courses and I probably have sold four, 
four to six thousand of those courses that are just webinars that I just put out there. And if I had stuck with my perfection paralysis, I would not have sold any of them. Wouldn't have sold it if I'd waited till my website was perfect. If I had waited, to, you know, till I was having a good hair day. If I'd waited till I got the green screen or the, I wouldn't have done any of it. And I've now, um, I now have so many followers on LinkedIn, and I've helped paid and free courses so many people because I had to get, I had to get over myself. You know, I had to go. Mm-hmm. This is this is me on the video. Slap a bit more makeup on. Do the best that you can with lights, but it does not have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. And I didn't all, start okay. with all of this stuff. Yeah, and also it doesn't have to be perfect to start because you can start, get it out there, and every video that you make, you improve. A little tweak, a little bit, another bit of gear, uh, a little bit more clarity of, of, of the message. So, you know, it really is jumping in and starting. Uh, mm. People are more, you know, people, uh, uh, audiences, customers, clients, they want a person, not a persona. They don't want mm. you to be trying to be somebody else. They just go, well, you just show up and we uh, help me with my problem and I'll accept you how you are. And that would be wonderful. Yeah. 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 So um, with your, okay, let's just talk a little bit about what you do uh, with your technology. Uh, I know you're a, a Camtasia user. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I've got other editing suites. I've used them all. And 90, I, 95% of everything I do, I do on Camtasia because I just think it's a brilliant business tool. I would like to know why you use it. Oh, I just, I love it, but I don't always use it. And the reason that I don't always use it is because inside an organization, so for, for anybody who doesn't work in corporate, they would have no idea how difficult it is to be able to just use what you want. You have to use what you've got. So if you've got Microsoft Office, that's all you've got. You cannot say, hey, can we have Canva? Can we have this? You use what you've got. And even if you had the budget or your manager said to you, yeah, sure, you can go and have, and, and Camtasia is in this sometimes, even if somebody says, Sharon, you know, you can use Camtasia. Inside an organization, there are firewalls and they have to protect not just the organization, but they also often have to protect their customers who were on their network. So it's incredibly difficult for people inside organizations to say, hey, can we have this cool little tool? Because the answer is often no, regardless of the money. I love Camtasia, I use Camtasia. I don't know if you've got it, Julian, but the massive game changer for Camtasia is the library. The um, asset the, library. The library, that it, the library that it comes with, with yeah. which is now the complete Shutterstock and the audio and all of that. But I can't always use it. And the other thing which is important to me is that I'm often setting up things so that other people can edit it afterwards. And inside an organization, I I might be allowed to have Camtasia, but we've got 20 change managers. They can't all have Camtasia. So I use PowerPoint a lot. I actually create videos. I teach people how to create videos in PowerPoint, which does include pulling in an interview. So in the same way, inside an organization, how I would do this is that you would interview your stakeholder, your your host, your guest. You would interview them in teams. So I'd be chatting to them side by side, side in teams. Then I would take that team's video and I would pop it into PowerPoint and I would then save it as a video in PowerPoint. PowerPoint lacks 
a lot of the functionality of Camtasia. It's pretty limited, but I can use it to get my message out. And that's what I do a lot of the time. And sometimes I do that so that people can change it and edit it and reuse it that don't have Camtasia. And you've also got, um, I always forget what it's called, but there's a, a, like Windows Movie Maker or something like that, which is a little bit in between if I need to glue some PowerPoints together. But this is, this is coming to the point again, is don't let what you have and have not got limit you. Use what you know how to use and learn how to use what you've got really well. Don't you know, say, oh, I, I could do it when I've got this software or when I can afford this or when I've taught myself how to, how to do this. Make the best of what you have. Yeah, and the other thing with that is that people don't want a pretty video. I mean, that's not why they... Well, they, they do. They, well, you know, you know, it's not, you know, the, 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 the packaging is nice. No, um, the, the maker would like a pretty video because that's what we think. We make yeah. that mistake that we think that we're our customer, but our customer is out there with a problem and what they want is their problem solved. And if they had two videos and one was just amazingly good looking, but thin and hollow, but one, you know, didn't have great production values, but it was just, you know, um, amazing content and solved their problem. That's the one they're going to go for. Oh, massively. And so I'm at, my day job is that I'm at AMP and our new CEO, Alexis George, she's posting tons and tons of stuff of her and customers and hers and her and staff on LinkedIn, just having a conversation like this. So, uh, and this is our CEO on our webcam with a customer, just having a very real conversation. And that is, you know, right from the top. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And just on that for a moment, is that down to the individual that you're talking about? understanding yeah. the value of turning up as a leader in a more human way? Oh, massively, massively. Right. You know, and from from day one, we knew who, you know, we, we know that she's got two dogs and we know that one of her dogs is called Lucy. I can't remember. What, so we know all, we know her as a person and we know that she's interested in getting to know the people who work in the organisation as people. And that is so important. It, it changed the organisation overnight and anybody who's interested in seeing it, and I've posted that, I've... Um, uh, put it on, you know, LinkedIn, promoting it there is this is what leaders need to do. They need to show up. They need to get on. And she's on a laptop. She's on a laptop in a bedroom or in a side little room. So it's it's no green screen and lights and everything. She's just having a chat and you know. And I think the thing is, is that I really feel that I could, if I was going into an office, I could knock on her door and I could say, hey, Lex, can we just have a little chat? And this is somebody who's, way way above me inside an organization but because i see her on video and the way that she comes across don't feel that there are any barriers of me chatting to her in the lift or going and knocking on her door when we get into the office again and it is powerful because and again success leaves clues you look when barack obama uh, mm. was was in office he had the west wing weekly which was he allowed a basically a smartphone crew to just go in uh, for a couple of hours and record what was going on in the office yeah. and in the corridors. And it was hugely uh, uh, successful. People love 
to see that, okay, we respect the office, but you're also a human. And we're at a point, I think, which is is really interesting. After uh, COVID, uh, Zoom has now uh, opened up, you know, behind the suit. We are all humans and we have kids barking. uh, I mean, kids barking. <laughs> kids, kids barfing and dogs barking dogs. in the the, the, the background. So we're we're at an interesting point. Do we ride with that now as an you know as, as an organisation or individuals, um, or do we all then just swing back over time and go back to to what it was? Well, that's so interesting, and and I think it's going to be difficult for us to get the balance. So what organizations are going to be working with is massively a distributed workforce. So some of them are going to go into the office and some of them are going to be at home and some of them will have moved to different geographic locations. And one of the things that I'm grappling with or I'm thinking about is that, so you and me, we're both, we're both in our home office. So I could be, I could be here in my Mickey Mouse t-shirt and my pajamas and what we have to think about is how that dynamic might change a little bit when I'm the only person at home and everybody else is in the office. And I don't think that they'll ever go back to suits and ties, but we may be going to shirts and, you know, shirts and a little bit of a enhanced standing standard of grooming. Mm. And some of <laughs> what I think people don't realize, because I'm refurbishing a, a new office and some of these screens are like two meters across and then if i'm the only person at home and i'm showing up in my mickey mouse t-shirt that's got a bit of you know yoga and egg down it it's going to be two meters across (laughs) so at the moment i'm only on somebody's little laptop phone or a, a little laptop screen or their phone so i think we'll have to find a happier medium where people in the office will be a bit more relaxed and people at home maybe need to bring up their presentation, whether their personal brand, I think we've got to meet in the middle. We do not want to lose all of the great stuff that we have gained from being people online in our little windows, but some of it will have to change as we, as some of us do return. So it's, it's, that's going to be our challenge for the future. Yeah, definitely. The Zoom honeymoon is well and truly over this idea that you can just turn up any old way, uh, that's finished because it's exactly the same as if you were sending an email to somebody, you wouldn't send it out in Comic Sans font. You wouldn't send it out with typos and narr- and, and errors on it like that. It's not acceptable. It's the same with video. You don't, you know, you can't you know, be looking up your nose now. You've got to think about your background. You've got to just, just absolute basics. Um, you know, you're, you're grooming the look. You are now being judged on this. Uh, so, as Seth Godin says, the rapper matters. It does. Well, but I you mean, can be authentic. That that's a whole different that's a whole different conversation. But organisations have got a lot of pressure on this whole bring your whole self to work. And certainly, where I work now, everybody is still putting their laptop up their nostrils. Okay, they're still in a dark room. They're just yeah. not taking it to a a window and they're not elevating all of this basic stuff they are still not doing um we so many people have got so much to learn still or i don't know maybe they're right and it doesn't matter as long as we can hear their message it doesn't matter whether it's coming out from their nostrils mm-hmm. i don't know what the answer is but um and i'm still sitting i do still get emails in comic sans with a lot of typos <laughs> 
Oh, okay. There you go. Well, that's corporate inside corporate. So, uh, the way that people think that it works inside an organization is very different than the way that it does work inside an organization. They think that we're all posh and we're all getting it all right. We're just keeping our head above water like the rest of the world a lot of the time. (laughs) Yeah. So with your personal video journey, what? Mm -hmm. tell me what you know now about presenting on camera uh, that a beginner wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most the most important thing is to be authentically you, to 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 not be not be. And this is again where I think that you will have a lot of really good conversations with women of my age. As you get to, I don't want to put a number on it, but as you get to a certain stage, you have to have thought or rethought, who am I? You know, who am I? What, what do I like to wear? I, I like to wear sparkles. Most of the time I like to wear sparkles and, um, you know, sequins and jewelry and things. And, 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 and that's me, that's really, really me. And, and I have started to much more show up as me and not try to be uh, a, a newsreader and be all, all, all perfect. And, People, I do these like little wine chats. We do Wednesday wines. So people who have been on a training journey with me, we just rock up and we have like, ask me anything. And they say, we feel that if we knocked on your door and we, you know, said, hi, you'd just say, yeah, come in, come in, have a cup of tea. I'd say, I would not. I'd say, come in, have a glass of wine. That's what I would say, you know? And I think it's really important to decide who you are and be very unapologetic about that. You cannot please everybody all of the time. So you've got to, my my biggest thing about business success is really own your message, own your version of your message and own your authenticity. And if somebody doesn't like that, help them to find somebody different. You know, if somebody Mm. said, well, like, you know, I'm looking for this, I'll say, actually, I don't do that, but I do know somebody else. Who does? Let me refer you to somebody else. And sometimes I've had a, a conversation with people who maybe are going to take some of my training or I'm going to do some training for their organization. And I have said, I don't think I'm right for you. I don't think I, I don't think we're a really good fit, but I can introduce you to this person because I think that you would just, you, you're, you're not right for everybody. Like, like in love, you know, you, you you're picking your partner, Picking your partner is very, very personal. And you have to decide to make that relationship work. You have to decide who you are and you have to bring your whole self. And I think that if I could tell people to do anything on video, it's just to show, be the best version of yourself, but really decide who that version is and bring that person and their ideas and their stuff ups and their bad hair days and their, their you know their sequins and their rugs whatever it happens to be bring that person because that's that's who they will connect to what was the response you found when you changed because earlier on you said that you had started down the perfectionist track uh, and you were stuck and then all of a sudden you let that go uh, you've made multiple courses but what's been the response to, you know when when you turned up as you I, I, I didn't let it stop me. So I never didn't turn up as me, but there's a really interesting lesson here is that, um, 
so I know you've got you know a number of my colleagues um, in Singapore because I know that you've done some stuff over there with the guys in Singapore at Singapore Speakers. So I used to live when I first moved to Singapore in two thousand and nine. I started in the very early days. I started a makeup channel. I started to do YouTube videos on makeup, and I've only recently taken them down. And I started. This is when YouTube was really quite new. And there are a few young people doing makeup for 20s. And at the time, so I was in my 40s. And at the time, like, I'm going to do video for people in their 40s. And I had none of this. I didn't have the lights. I had aircon going. I had my little, little old Logitech there. And I would put a mirror in front of my computer. And I would do my makeup there. And if we think, so this would be, Julian, this would be 2009. And in 2009, my videos, some of my videos were hitting quarter of a million people in 2009. And that was big. I had 2,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel in 2009. And I actually had a couple of sponsors came knocking and said, can you use our makeup? Can we'll send you the brushes and all of that, which was great. So that was a fantastic opportunity. And I made a massive mistake then. And the mistake was, whoa, hang on, this is getting serious. I'm getting a serious amount of views. I'm getting people asking me to do their products. People are paying for me for this. I've got to get serious. So I went out and I got a DSLR. I got some different lights. I got a different microphone. Do you know how many videos I made since I did that? No. None. <laughs> None. Oh. None. Because everything had to be so perfect because what I would do is I would set up the DSLR and then I would, you know, and then afterwards I go, oh, I had the lens cap on or, oh, it was blurry or and everything became so difficult. And what had been really easy to pitch up in front of my computer with the imperfections and everything, what had been really easy to hook my little mirror on there, to get my makeup bag, to lean in, and talk to people like this, all of a sudden needed the camera, the da, 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 and the sun was shining in the wrong place. And oh, it just became difficult. So my, le my lesson was probably by stopping doing what was easy. I mean, who knows, who knows, but we know how much women who are between 40 and maybe 40 and 55, how much money they're making out of these makeup channels. And that was my job that I was doing a different job. And that's what I was doing. I was such an early adopter in this space of being somebody very real, talking to women going, look, I know ladies, and I know that you're trying to do this and you're trying, I was doing all of that. What, what is that 12 years ago now? And I stopped when I moved to try to make it perfect what what a failed opportunity i mean i wouldn't be here today but but what a what a lesson for all of us to to, to not to, to use what we've got and just get on with it i'm going to tag team i'm going to hit the ball back over the net with a, a youtube story very similar back about the same i started it was around 2008 2009 uh, i started a magic channel on youtube Ooh. and it was i was 50 about 50 years old and everyone else in the magic community was about 18 
and they were all these kids and I were doing this amazing magic. And basically it was a set of a set of hands and like on the desk or the background was their crotch. You know, I said holding a set of cards down here. But it was all about the, the, the technology. And I decided as a 50-year-old bloke, I'm going to go on and make a channel about doing videos with things that you can find around the house or, you know, out and about. And then putting a story to them so you could present the video. And I made a rule, and that was I stopped watching all other YouTube channels because uh -huh. I knew, I knew that if I looked at what they were doing, I would be pulled because I'm human and start to try to mimic them. So I didn't. I continued doing this. It was uh, worked for a couple of years. It became quite successful. So I ended up with over 30 million views. Uh, wow. Still got 140,000 subscribers. It just sits up there. I haven't wow. done anything with it, um, but it was uh, it, it. But out of that, and it was it. I went in because you know you can go into your metrics and look at you know um, yeah ages and genders, and I got a big surprise because I had a lot of kids watching me, but there was this spike in the metrics of males, uh, 35 to 55 year old. And so I reached mm -hmm. out to them through the, the, the channel and said, who are you? What are you doing watching me here? Anyway, I, got I did a word count. I got 33,000 words back from them in responses. Yeah. And these people poured their hearts out. You know, they said, oh. all our life we have wanted to be professional magicians and professional kids entertainers, but we didn't know how. And you've, we know the tricks, but you've showed us the glue to put in yeah. between the tricks to make a show. So I said to them, if I was to make a product and I called that Build Your Magic Show, would you be interested in that? Oh, yes. So I built a course called Build Your Magic Show. It is still now one of the, um, you know, originally no old best-selling courses out there. Wow. And, it, and it started, I built a new online training business with a, uh, I partnered with a guy in the UK and we built the world's first online training academy for professional children's entertainers i ran that for a couple of years and we sold the business to um, a, a company wow. in israel it still runs and that's where i got out of that and because really it wasn't about magic it was about transforming people it was about people yeah. who were stuck here and wanted to be there so i've taken what i've learned out of that and stuck video on the top of it now this is where I am now in, yeah. in this new and part of the journey. but it I could have done the same and I stalled. I stalled because I wanted it to be perfect, but I could have had that course and that, which is what I have now. Um, but there's, there's, two, there's two, two really good messages there. First of all, don't do what I did, do what you did, <laughs> follow it. But the other thing there is, uh, depending on where you're listening from, your niche, your niche, niche, our guys in the States, it's a niche or for us, our niche. niche you've got to really you knew as i now have with change managers all the, <clears throat> the online training that i do outside of what i do in at, at, at amp i really i'm talking to change managers this is how you make your life easy and you were talking to guys this is how you do what you what you love so for people who are using it to build the business as i was doing this is how you do makeup if you're between you know if you're over 40 it's really honing in on who is my target uh, audience and not trying to not trying to encompass everybody. So I think that's important, not for the people who predominantly are doing the corporate videos like me, but anybody who's doing, and I know you have a lot of these that really is trying to use this to build a business, really decide who my customer is. Yeah.
Yeah. So Sharon, if people want to um, um, work with you, catch up with you, find out uh, one of your many, many courses that you've got out there, where can they find you? Well, they can just find me on LinkedIn um, as Sharon Connolly. And I do have a website which does the courses that I'm talking about, including training Camtasia. So I do have a Camtasia course and how to make uh, videos on PowerPoint um, at uh, changesuperhero.com.au. But you can just find me and follow me on LinkedIn as Sharon Connolly. I'll put those uh, addresses on the show notes and I'm going to say goodbye to you now. And I'm no. just going to <laughs> go and... <laughs> Yeah, so I was going to finish. And so if uh, you're new and you don't know about the, uh, the New Video Professionals Club, uh, please come along and join. If you're a busy professional out there and you are finding the pressure on you to use video, be on video, but the last thing in the world you want to do is actually do that and use video, then come and hang out here because this is people like you solving problems like yours. You're going to be in good company. And with that, you guys have a wonderful week and uh, catch you next time.